Today, we're going to expand our awareness of ourselves and the multiverse. We are going quantum. Hi, it's Cheryl Sitz with Mario Rosales running production right here beside me. We welcome you to another episode of Exploring Possibilities. Every podcast since we started in 2012 can all be found on our website at journeyofpossibilities.com. New shows coming out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, other platforms, and youtube.com slash Cheryl Sitz. If you learn and grow from what you hear on the show, show us a little love at journeyofpossibilities.com slash support. Joining us in just a moment, Michael Masters. Hi, I'm Mario Rosales. I am the producer of Exploring Possibilities. I actually do IT work. I do website design. I do uh, remote support. You know, one of the things that I've been having recently, I've been working with people that are on Wix. And at the beginning, even I had the idea that Wix wasn't that powerful. But as I started working with it, I found out that there is so much more in there that we are not taking advantage of. We're not taking advantage of its database functionality. We're not taking advantage of their autoresponders. And a lot of this comes included for free in some of their packages. I've learned the system very well to the point that I can train you on how to do it. Or if you ask me to do some complicated task, I can design it for you within Wix. Then after I'm done, I give you the training on how to use it. And then if you have any troubles, you can always call me. Thank you. I am Mario Rosales, and you can reach me at MarioRosales.com. Let me help you out wherever I can. Thanks. Michael Masters is a singer, songwriter, musician, producer, publisher, TV host, voiceover artist, and author of one of the most expansive books I've had the pleasure to read in years, Blind Sight, wow. Quantum Life in a Human World. There's a link for that book right here on the podcast description where you can get a copy. And a small thank you comes back to us in support of the show at no extra cost to you. You'll find Michael's music online at tortugans.com. And he joins us now from just outside of Austin, Texas, where he's going to serve as our tour guide to explore quantum possibilities. Hi, Michael. Hey, Cheryl. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you for being on. Well, all of you, you, us, we, that's a fun place to start. You you start this very unusual and powerful book by sharing some childhood moments that kind of made all of this real for you. Should we start there? Uh, well, we can, sure. Yeah. Um, there is a, the language we, the, the Michael is not real. Michael is a, a very minuscule physical manifestation of, uh, of intelligence and energy that is an infinite being. And I hate to jump to inf infinity right off the bat, <laughs> but it, it's, it's where we, it's, it's from where we emerge. It's what reveals our being. And we use the term we, if you think about it, no human does anything by themselves. We have the most used word on the planet is I. And if for some reason the word I comes out of us at any time, that's Michael stepping in and trying to take over. And you just dismiss him immediately because he's, he's honoring, irreverent. Um, he has a great sense of humor. Uh, but other than that, don't, don't, don't pay him as much attention, okay? But early in Michael's um, manifestation, if you will, uh, about the age of six, there were two illnesses, measles and mumps, in which he experienced fevers of 104, 105 degrees, and actually left his body. And we could feel ourselves hovering ab above and seeing our body below with our parents very concerned. It was back in the day. Um, we're up in our 70s now. So back then, doctors actually made house calls. So Dr. Herma was there jabbing big needles in me and, and everything. And of course, 
when we came back to our body, later we tried to convey this. We were very enthusiastic, but they just, in our small Texas town, there was just no structure for that type of experience. And so they just dismissed it as fever dreams. But there was just something that we knew that was not a dream. Mm-hmm. That was an experience. It was a conscious, uh, we were in an I, a conscious I am disembodied position where we actually were able to perceive events, movement through space and time, um, and so forth. So it had a, a definite in, impression. And shortly after that, maybe the fevers induced it. We, in our research, we found that many historical shamans, mystics, healers after high fevers began to experience these, uh, what they're now calling metacognitive states, mm-hmm. which are outside of our sensory array, which Sensory array, just to define that, is hear, see, taste, touch, and smell. Right. Everything historically that humans have done for 200,000 years are an expression of what they hear, see, taste, touch, and smell. And with little blurp of, uh, is blurp a word? It is now by God, <laughs> but the uh, of metacognitive uh, voices uh, and experiences, you know, most well-known, of course, would be your Buddhas and Jesuses and, and Dalai Lamas and, and, and those kids. And so, but in general, every, every system that the human enjoys, whether it's educational, technology, money, uh, government, politics, environment, the list goes on and on, is an expression of the human's brain's ability to hear, see, taste, touch, and smell. And if you hear a human using the word I, that is what they are emanating. That is where they are originating. And it is always in the past. Whenever we use the word I, it's not real. Because if you think about it, if we say the word now to you, Cheryl, by the time it leaves our body, goes through your ear, through your audio centers in your brain, and becomes a conscious reaction, it's gone. It's mm-hmm. past. The human brain cannot experience the present. It's impossible. And so... What we are becomes more, I love to use the analogy, I, there he comes, kid. <laughs> we love to use the analogy of that Michael is a cell phone, You're in, and Cheryl is a cell phone. If you think about it, your cell phone take, receives information, it processes it, stores it, and then prepares or does express it, either through the ringtone du jour or by answering a call or a text or whatever, but it's all in the past, and that's what we're for. That's what this brain body is designed for, to carry us around, research, store, process, and express. We may not always express it through words. It could be body language or just a chemical change within our body. But that is what happens. It's only when we use the power of intention and focus to create states of being and mind to experience things outside of the sensory array that we actually get closer to the true nature of our being, which in the quantum is we are made up of intelligence and energy. Uh, one of our favorite physicists of the day is Nassim Haramein, and he talks about how 99.999999% of all perceivable reality is energy and intelligence. He uses the word consciousness. We tend to divert from that Words like consciousness that carry thousands of years of baggage and misinterpretation and dogma that follows from a lot of that. So we have crafted a word 
blending intelligence into the view. We call it intelligence. And we are an intelligence signature. Michael is an intelligence signature, which is a cohesive, intelligent expression of the true nature of the universe. The universe is infinite. And infinity is an amazing experience. I, uh, I, I hope I'm speaking to someone who's experienced it. I, I've been searching for that person for a decade. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, but I mean, I mean, uh, I mean, this Michael thing may be the only thing that could be that. We have had, we've had multiple experiences where the Michael disappeared, the body disappeared, uh, the, the family, uh, Michael's wife, children, career, job, the earth. And the only thing that was left with was this consuming presence of awareness, perception, I am. And from that I am, all of those other things emerge. Uh, the first time that that happened was the most terrifying experience of this existence because in that moment where the wife, the family, the children, the, the career, the house, the home, the earth, everything disappeared, Michael's ego felt completely alone, completely abandoned. Yeah. And the fear, the terror, it was sheer terror because what are you supposed to do with that, right? Right. And so, but what it meant, it was like a switch flipped, and all of a sudden, we understood that we were that entangled, to use another quantum term. I'm going to throw t- in terms out there, and, and there's plenty of ways for you to research and, and get a, a bigger understanding, but we became this entangled being in which we were all things, and where this entire universe was emerging from us. And in that moment, we understood that this was only one universe of an n number of universes, Mm -hmm. which leads us to the term multiverse. And and so the experience becomes then, where the heck did that come from? Right? Right. Where did form come from? Where did this progression of of what we experience as time and space, which is a complete illusion, this experience of mass and weight, and movement through time. Movement through time creates space. Mm-hmm. Where did that come from? It had to be manifested through a source that is intelligent, and it possesses infinite intelligence and infinite energy. And those two things, in energy and intention, in, in energy and intelligence, blend. And when they are infused with intention from this source, that's when universe is formed. Within us, as a, as a microcosm of that, when we apply intention from a metacognitive state into our energy signature of intelligence and energy, that is when we manifest form, imagery, language, duality. Just, I want to back up a little bit because I'm afraid we kind of le- oh. leapt straight into the deep end, and I've had the benefit of oh. reading your full 400 page book. <laughs> And they have not. But it's fabulous. I thank you so much for sharing as you are. Uh, One of the things that I feel like would be beneficial to pull out at this point in time is the chapter on Breathe Play Now, because you've spoken to the fact that we are kind of sleepwalking around in this sensory experience of what we think is real. And there's a complete other, much more vast reality at play here, the quantum reality. And this chapter is like, for me, one of the greatest gateways to get from one to the other without having to go off and be a Buddhist monk and live in the mountains. We can't all really do that. But what we can do is breathe and play now. So can you speak to that for us? Sure. Where 
where it begins for our, our bridge, our portal to uh, our true nature, our true being is the breath. We can hold our breath, we can blow bubbles, we can uh, breathe rapidly, but we can control it, right, with intention. And so beginning with breathing exercises, and there's thousands of them out there, uh, but the, keeping it simple is the, is the main thing because this whole thing, sure, so is so simple. Uh, it's, it's the manifestations that complicate But breathing begins there. Smile is another intention because it implies joy and happiness and a choice to uh, choose your attitude, as they say on the bumper sticker, right? And so when we, when we actually put a slight smile right up on our face and envision or place the energy and the intelligence of a smile in our meditation, our contemplation, uh, we see this endeavor as a contemplative art, um, the artistic aspects of, of the art. And so the smile releases endorphins that is totally eases, eases the brain, eases the body, puts all of these healing processes at work that lightens this material aspect of the being. And the last, the last uh, expression is now. And again, the brain body cannot experience, even perceive now. By the time it thinks it is, it's already gone. <clears throat> it's into the archives. It's, it's part of your movie, Michael's movie, Michael's story, Michael's uh, artifacts. <clears throat> but now has to be an experience. Quantum has to be an experience. We are a quantum experience that is moving through manifestation. In quantum physics, where I was mentioning earlier, I, here goes Michael, where we were mentioning earlier that we are 99.9999% energy and intelligence, the other part of us is particulate. That's what we all buy into. That's what our brain, our sensory array, your CK, such as milk, buys into this 0.0001% of what we truly are. And for us, the analogy would be like trying to play basketball with a football. And every time you went out on the court, you start to dribble, and the ball bounces all these erratic, chaotic ways, and it creates turbulence in the game. And it's not using the game the way it was designed, okay? And so using our, our, our brain body, not the way it's designed, creates us trying to play basketball with a football. And it's why we face all these collapsing systems all over the world. All of these human mental constructed systems, whether it's education, environment, politics, money, uh, the list goes on and on. Uh, medicine is collapsing. And we're, with, we're on the approach of the great shift because humans learned to think from animals 200,000 years ago, and we're still doing it. Okay, But now we're at a point where we can't evolve. We can actually generate through exercises like breathe, play, now, we can move into states of being, in states of thinking, in states of intention and focus, where we can actually create our reality. If we do not move towards that evolution, then our history is creating our future. Our, our cell phone nature, our computer, our, all of our beliefs, preoccupations, uh, I meant presumptions, expectations, habitual actions and 
thinking are creating the next five seconds of our lives. We're not choosing it. It's being created for us. And if we are in that state, then our Michael is dragging, would be dragging us into the next five seconds, five minutes, five years of our lives, of our manifestation. It's easy to do. Like if I look in the mirror and what I see, I believe that's me. I'm then I'm perpetuating that being me, even though that's the me that the past created. That's not the me of the future. It's really funny when we start to play outside of our senses and then we catch ourselves. I mean, I think it's funny because I like to use humor with it, catching myself over and over again, yeah. crawling back into the past's manifestations instead of reality. It's, it's, and it's so powerful, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, it, uh, I love that you, it, and it is playful because. And it is the only game in town. The only thing that a human has to do is that, is to evolve, is to become what we are designed to be, to start using this brain body the way it's designed. If we go into quantum physics, the, the particular aspect of, of, of the shell or the Michael is cycling in and out of what they're calling now dark energy, dark matter, blah, blah, blah to me. But the we're, at, at every nanosecond, your entire physical being, your entire Cheryl body, everything is cycling into another reality of energy and intelligence. And every time it comes back, it's got new information. What do you think, Cheryl, is the only thing that doesn't change every nanosecond of your existence. I should know the answer to that, having read the book, shouldn't I? <laughs> no, well, it's your name. Oh. <laughs> and how scary is that? Yeah. That we completely dismiss this amazing potential, this infinite possibility that we have every nanosecond to absorb this new beingness, suchness, as the Buddha called it. That is, Gilbert calls, calls it the whatever it is. We have this ability to be that, which is what we are. And that is beyond exciting, challenging, scary, wonderful, messy, because we don't know. You talk about, you talk about, excuse me, you talk about beliefs in here, in this book, where where our beliefs play such a powerful role, because we are recycling ourselves over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. We are recycling the manifestation that is known as Cheryl or Michael. What role our beliefs play in that is huge. Well, you got, I think we all have to remember that beliefs are generated by your, what you hear, see, take, such as spell and experience through those senses. And each one of those beliefs is a box. It's a limitation to be transcended, okay? Uh, belief is, is, is kind of a safety net that humans designed, mm-hmm. or not consciously designed, but have grown to depend on, because even if it's the belief that we have a physical body, <laughs> it doesn't have to stand to, do you believe that you're, you're a Christian or a conservative or a, a Chinese? Or, or an African-American, or, or those kind of belief systems, which are the most scary, harmful, destructive, uh, dual, dual, dualistic mental constructs that the human being has ever, ever realized. It's mm-hmm. destroying us as a species and as a planet. 
So beliefs are scary. And I remember this, uh, one of the very first things we do, and I think you may, you may have remembered in the book, we ask you to leave all of your beliefs, preconceptions, <laughs> expectations, and habits at the beginning of the book. Yeah. Just leave it. You can pick them up on the way out. Because every single one of those things is an illusion. It is a particular manifestation of mental constructs that are not real. And they are entropic. They are decaying. They are disappearing every moment. And it is not what we are. Right. It is not what we can become. Because once we love to use the image of if we take take Google Earth to take your house and go up eleven miles. We like eleven because it's a it's a great manifestation number. Mm-hmm. But at eleven miles above the earth, you will not be able to see where, for example, the United States becomes Canada or Russia becomes China. You will not see any racial difference. You will see no religions you will see nobody has more money than anyone else. Uh, sex doesn't matter. Corporate entities don't matter. But what happens there is we get we become able to ask more elegant questions that are human questions, that are planetary questions. And we move towards solutions that are in the same spirit, more elegant solutions in terms of human questions and planetary questions. And we stop about 10,000 years ago, I'll reverse real quick, some humans figured out that if they get hold of the food and the shelter and the water, that they can exude power over others. And ever since then, humans have been in an us versus them uh, duality. And we could take the us versus the autocratic societies on the planet, whether it's China, Russia, Iran, the global conglomerates, the, the sheepdoms of the Middle East versus democratic thinking on the other hand. But with it all, we have now we have Black Lives Matter, with, and it's created an us versus them right there. We have the LBGTQ movement, it's created an us versus them, and we are forgetting that at 11 miles up, nobody gives a crap. Yeah, we're all big. We're all big fleas on this dog, <laughs> <laughs> Roll, rolling around through space, and we all have a common enemy. Uh, Sun Tzu, well, actually, he didn't first say it, but uh, it's in his book, Art of War, that the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Our common enemy is the human sensory array and how it thinks. That is our enemy. And I don't care if you are a a Vladimir Putin or a, a teenager in Beverly Hills, we both have that enemy that we are thinking about our humanity and our position on this planet and our potential to evolve from a very, they're thinking it. We all think in a very, very limited, temporary way. And it is ending us. Well, you Not said it, it's duality. Yeah, which is a complete illusion. Yeah, exactly. But if we keep looking for answers in duality, we just keep perpetuating more duality. And that's what I'm still seeing when I plug into any kind of, which is very seldom that I plug into any kind of media anymore, other than just going out and taking a glance and going, wow, it's still still very dualistic. Because that's really kind of where we keep hanging up, isn't it? Cheryl, just think, when you say I, you imply that there is a you. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Every time we say the word I, that's why when the, the word I flips out, I, I go, oh, there's Michael again. <laughs> I've got a little I've got a little thing. There's a little alarm that goes off 
when when the word I is used every time. It's it's like Michael is not going to take control of the next five minutes of my life of this my. See, there he goes. The alarm went off. <laughs> but the existence is not going to be dictated by Michael's fears, uh, his beliefs, his habits, all of those things. My metacognitive I am is in position to now choose that. Life becomes a response and not a reaction. Yes. And if we could just get to the point where we could teach our children, and that's the great one of the greatest pushes that we are in right now is involved with ways to uh, help children become metacognitive. We have a new project right now that uh, is a, a series of games that uh, children play when they go to sleep. And within these games, and they are so simple and beautiful that it is, uh, uh, it's just, if it doesn't bring a tear to your eye, you don't have a fault. But it, it teaches the fundamentals for like two and three year old children the fundamentals of meditation, relaxation, breathing exercises, visual, uh, create, create visualization. Uh, our daughters were learning these games when they were two, three years old. And I will just guarantee you spend 30 seconds with either one of our daughters and you will know you're in the presence of exceptional humans. And it's because at a, at a fundamental, age of two and three years old, they became comfortable with the fact that they have opportunities to create, manifest, and observe from outside of their bodies. And we had this opportunity to evolve on this planet. And it, unfortunately, most of the humans have become addicted to what we call in our book, the human disease, which is we've become addicted to the brain, addicted to this repetitive, time-bound space, uh, uh, duality, subject-object thinking that is destroying us. We can't live as animals anymore and hope to sustain ourselves and this planet. It's done. And we are running out of time. And, and so this becomes a, not negative, I hope, but a beautiful, amazing challenge, a celebration of now we know, right? Yes. 500 years ago, I love this metaphor, everyone on this planet, except for two or three Greeks, thought the world was flat, okay? Everybody believed it. Jesus believed it. Buddha believed it. Everybody believed it. And if you go to the end of the earth, you fall off into the abyss or monsters or whatever. And all of a sudden, about 500 years ago, here comes Christopher Columbus paddling into uh, Portugal and lets everybody, hey, guess what? You were all wrong. Not some of you were wrong. All of you were wrong. The earth is round. Right. Now, what are you going to do with that? And there, there were people on the dock going, with their arms folded, going, I don't need round world. I've got, I'm educating my children. I, I create, I live, love, work. I experience spirit in flat world. I'm good. <laughs> but there are other people over here who went, hmm, round world. I wonder what that's like. They didn't know. They had no idea what that was like. But they put on their adventure hats, they climbed on a boat, and they went over and they trusted in their ability to manifest and create from around the world. Right? Mm -hmm. Now, go back to about 100 years ago, and some kids named Planck and Einstein and Schrodinger and all the rest of them come up with something called quantum mechanics. And guess what? Now there's no round world. Guess what? <laughs> Einstein said you were all wrong. Not some of you were wrong. 
you're all wrong. Can you can you stand there and and really absorb the fact that you're wrong about your entire world? Really? Like those people on the dock in Portugal? That's what happened. And it's happening now. And it's taken a, a hundred years to begin to really wake it up. But in in quantum world, this is not a round world of mass and 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 weight. And even gravity has been proven. And, you know, Newton thought just because something's bigger than something else, it attracts the more objects. That's a load. That's not what gravity is. Gravity is merely a warping of space-time and energy and intelligence. And so we have this total misconception of what's real, right? Mm-hmm. And so now is the time for us to embrace that. In our bodies is a hundred trillion cells. In each one of those cells is a hundred trillion atoms, just to give you an idea of scale, okay? And within that atom is, if you could just raise the size of the proton to a grain of sand, the electron would be orbiting at about a distance of the size of Washington State. So you have, you have gazillions of these in your body, and it demonstrates the scale that of what is Space, you're mostly space and energy and intelligence. One cubic centimeter of empty space carries 93, uh, I'm sorry, 10 to the 93rd power, that's 93 zeros power of energy. If you could take the entire universe, every star, comet, moon, planet, quasar, black hole, and squash that into one cubic centimeter of space, it would contain. 10 to the 53rd power of energy. So we have available, this is what we're made of. This is what you are, Jill. You are made of hundreds and hundreds of trillions of atoms that have more energy in one cubic centimeter of your body in the entire universe. And that is what you are. So why not live from that? Why not create from that? Why not teach your children from that? Why not experience spirit? from that. Learn to love from that. It's so magnificent that it's the only game in town. It's the challenge. It's the beautiful gift that source, call it, call it, call it whatever you want. Call it God. Call it whatever you want. But this source that, that puts the intention into this universe and gives us, us a brain that can actually think about things like this that can actually experience a perception that includes infinity, that this brain was gifted to Michael that can actually experience infinity is like, whoa, that's the only word, boy. And that's the gift of the brain. We talk, we're kind of coming full circle now because we talked about how the, bra- the brain can be the human disease, you call it in your book, but it's also the gift that the brain can actually get blown by what really matters when it begins to experience it. I think that's fair. I'd have to ponder a little <laughs> bit on that. Okay. There was, there was, a, there was a kid named Gurdjieff who, who, who we loved many, many years ago. And he always called the human brain a receiver transmit. And so I think that, there he goes, Michael, I think. I mean. <laughs> but just because you got to watch, we call him the kid around here. Dale calls him <laughs> the kid because when he starts acting up and saying and doing stupid things. But, uh, the thing is, it's like, I think it's fair. I, whew, he's, he's trying real hard here. And, you know, he's 24-7. Yeah. 
You know, mm-hmm. never shuts up. Exactly. <laughs> but the fact that we can, let's say, tune in our, our satellite television, and it's basically just ones and zeros and electromagnetic fields and all of that. But nevertheless, the content of the energy and intelligence, the consciousness, the information that can be captured with that, with those ones and zeros and electromagnetic fields is far greater than the plastic and metal wiring and all that that forms that television screen, right? Right. And so I think it's, it's time that even though uh, this human brain is, you know, is just a bunch of group of chemicals and, and cells and atoms and the list goes on, doesn't mean that it can't be a receiver for uh, multiversal intelligence, right? Yes. And, and experience that at a metacognitive level where we actually can rise above as we did when we were six years old, rise above and be the observer in the conversation, the witness, if you will. But we do not have to attach ourselves to it. Right, um, and that detachment uh, is where we really can wake up and step outside of the sensory experience to know something greater. Uh, I'm going to quote the beautiful. book right here. It says, it's written in, in this book, this is from Blindsight, from its inceptions, Blindsight's intention has been to stimulate and facilitate the expansion of realized consciousness in the Terra Signature. That's exactly, it's, that is what reading this book did for me. As much as I was aware of many of the concepts within, one of the things I want to give praise to for this book is that in creating a new language to speak about these things, and that's really what was done within the pages of this book, Intellergy is just one example. Uh, in creating a different language, all of the baggage and preconceptions of the existing language are thrown out the window, and I completely go on the ride all the way through because the language is unique. So I'm, I'm forever into what that language is trying to show me. And it expanded my understanding of the quantum sciences in a great way and gave me some new experiences and meditations. And so I would invite even the least scientific listener to give this a a, a shot and see if it doesn't expand a little something somewhere. (laughs) That's really beautiful. we felt like this book was important because Michael has no degrees in physics mm-hmm. or uh, psychology, and it's important to convey the quantum experience through the lens of a of a being, if you will, that doesn't have all of the constraints of the educational uh, construct. Right. You know, uh, most of the voices out there today, and there are some brilliant ones, uh, have all the letters behind their name. Mm-hmm. And uh, except for my great physicist Nassim Haramein, who's almost completely self-educated and one of the most one of the biggest brains on the planet, and I, I encourage people to search him out. But uh, that's so beautiful that you said that, and uh, we just we just hope that this conversation can expand, increase. We're certainly not the only voice at the table right now. Uh, there are some of the biggest minds on the planet. And they're all, and there's some also some big activists who who have a lot of money that are working on this awareness, these movements, this ascension on the planet, what we call the Great Shift. Mm-hmm. And they're operating outside of all government, politics, religion, race, money, 
spanking, all of those things. And so it's, uh, and I encourage people to search those things. Michael encourages, he's already been. <laughs> but steer away from things like network news and cable news and, and right. sources of people who are in what we call the matrix, you know, that are stuck in this, in this belief system, human disease, because they are not healing this planet. They exactly. are not your sources. They are not going to be the voices that are going to lead you out of this addiction. And we are all addicts. And yes, I think we are. That's a word that is, that is a challenge to everyone. Once you realize your enemy and search out other people who realize the enemy, then the enemy of your enemy is your friend. And we all must work together to evolve outside of the matrix. This is the challenge, and it's this beautiful game. It's the only game in town, and if we're addicted to that. Uh, we're addicted to the contemplative arts, you know, meditation, contemplation, uh, being the observer in every situation. Uh, there was a quote, 90% of life is what happens to you, and 10% is how you respond to it. Mm -hmm. We would add or react. So who are you going to be? Are you going to let your past drag you into your future? Or are you going to become this, what you are, stop being the football, be who you are, and choose your future? Create your, your manifestation. How beautiful is that? How exciting and joyful. And I get chills, you know, it, it really works me, works me up, works the Michael up too. It does. Well, thank you. Thank you. Michael, That's a... Thank you. That's a wonderful place. We're already out of time. I knew it was going to fly. <laughs> but this, you said before we started that it's one of the most important conversations to have is a conversation about seeing beyond the illusion. And I've thoroughly enjoyed sharing that with you today. Thank you for spending time with us. The game project that you mentioned, is that out already? Yeah, thank you for that. It's called Bedtime Imagination, The Colors of a Child's Mind. It's bedtimeimagination.com. There's a testimonial video on there from parents, grandparents, teachers, psychologists that are just so moving. It's also for children who suffer from autism and ADHD and OCD and traumatic family situations and all sorts of reasons why a child can't rest. It teaches these fundamentals of, like I said, med meditation, breathing exercises, react relaxation, and the self-esteem of these children that emerges and the creativity is phenomenal. Well, thank you, Michael, for sharing your passion today and, and, and for this book. It really is a gift at a time when we are hungry for this kind of adventure. So thank you very much. And thank you for being with us today. It was uh, a beautiful pleasure, Cheryl. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, listener, for joining us. Let us know what you thought at journeyofpossibilities.com. We always love to get your feedback and show us a little love while you're there. And we'll see you next time on Exploring Possibilities. <laughs>